Greetings, Force users, and welcome back to Inside the Tauntaun, a Star Wars podcast where we get to the guts of what makes Star Wars meaningful to us. I'm Alyssa Simmons, and I'm joined today by my two pallies, Dino Nicandros. Hello. And Daniel Dawson. Hello there. And today, we're talking about the Caravan of Courage, the Ewok Adventure, written... <laughs> Written. Sorry, I'm going to do why my best to get through this. I don't know why. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, written by Bob Crow, story by George Lucas, directed by John Cordy, and by God, we watched it. <laughs> we did it. Huh. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Star Wars inside the Tauntaun. Taun. This is our podcast opening song. Alyssa, Daniel, and Dino talking about Star Wars. Like and subscribe. We sure ah. did watch oh, that. Wow. We watched it, and then we were done watching it. I can confirm, after having been uncertain about it, that I hadn't seen this one. There oh. are two made-for-television Ewok movies, and, and I had not seen them. this one. I would have remembered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I knew, oh, yeah. I knew this is, like, the, iconic. <laughs> um, the second um, movie was called The Battle for Endor. Mm-hmm. And I definitely knew that one as a kid. I did not know this first one for some reason. Yeah, this was a a, a battle of sorts. Uh, oh, shall I hit the... Shall I hit us with a little uh, summary, quick, before we? Sure. Uh... Just a little summary. Uh, this movie was just a little background. Was just released um, along with several other vintage Star Wars properties on Disney Plus, so you can go stream this. Anytime you want, mm-hmm. and we encourage you to do so. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. But potentially under the influence might be better. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which we weren't, by the way. I'll just, yeah, we I'll just no. let you know that we, we were completely sober. sober Very sober. <laughs> um, all right. So when a family spacecraft crashes on the forest moon of the planet Endor, teenage son Mace and his little sister Sindel find themselves separated from their parents. Soon these lost children encounter the Ewoks, the small and furry warriors who call the moon home. With the help of these adorable yet fearless natives, brother and sister set out on a quest to rescue their parents from the grip of a vicious monster known as the Gorax. That's it. That's the summary I got. <laughs> and they they stretched that out to an Into hour an and a hour. half. 36 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 half of a paragraph they made into So the more I looked into it, the more I because I was just like you said, like how on earth did they stretch that? Mm-hmm. When apparently, when George Lucas had agreed to post the holidays after the holiday special happened, because oh, this was post. Yeah, that. he agreed yeah, yes. to do another made-for-television thing, and he wanted it to be half and half an hour. Oh, that okay, gotcha. So he wrote a story for a half he an hour. Wrote thing. a half an hour story, and sure. then. Other things happened. They couldn't get any networks to pick it up. Wow. ABC was like, we'll do it for our two-hour movie of the week thing they used to do back in the 80s. So they just stretched it. And they somehow found a way to do this. Did we find out whether or not 
um, Burl Ives, like, actually was a narrator, like, the whole time? Or was he, like, added in post because they're like, oh, people have, we're going to have no idea what's going on unless we have a narrator. I'm not sure, but um, he, I, I think, I think narr- he was in it to begin with, based on like context clues about production. It sounded like uh, this was being treated well. It n- not sounded like it was treated like a children's fairy tale. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And and guys, those freaking always Burl Ives, narrators. like and, the narrator of you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Right, <laughs> Sam the Snowman gave us. <laughs> Gave us a uh, a walkthrough we of. We were not prepared for that either. No, he, he started narrating, nope. and we we all looked at each other and we're like, Wait, "Oh my god, Burl lives! Like, what it, is that? The snowman? It <laughs> certainly was so fantastic. Also, it, I mean, like, it's interesting. I mean, if if not for Burl lives, I mean, it would have been kind of very like Wally esque because there was barely any like you know. Uh, human dialogue, um, you know, like Ewoks making their Ewok sounds, and but there's no subtitles, so Lord knows what the hell they're saying. You know? so, I also, I'm just saying, if anybody doesn't take that opportunity to create subtitles for this film, that is a missed opportunity. What are you doing, honestly? Literally, what are you doing with your life? Uh, but but let's uh, let let's talk about the reception it originally got. Mm-hmm. Oh oh yeah, I'm curious. This might this might be surprising to all three of us. So the film was released on November 25th, 1984. As Alyssa yeah. said, it was the Sunday night movie, ABC sure. Sunday night movie. Uh, it was nominated for an Emmy Award for outstanding children's programming. Oh my god! And outstanding special effects. Oh my god! Which it won. Yeah, it won for oh. special effects. I saw that. My yeah. goodness. Uh, the New York Times gave it a great write-up that I, I tracked down here. Uh, handled with skill, uh, Mr. Cordy's direction of the photography and Peter Bernstein's Marshall score out of the school of John Williams help immeasurably in transforming rather ordinary scenes into settings of foreboding. Wow. Mm. I mean, you got to really think about the stuff that was coming out like around 84, you know, mm-hmm. and and what they yep. had, you know, the, the the first of all, there's really the 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 TV budgets back then were so minimal. Um, they spent so the three million dollars on this this three movie. Million. How much? Three million. Yeah, and that actually is pretty huge for yeah. TV back at that point. I think. Um, and but yeah, it's the the fact that they pulled off what they did. I mean, they had like stop motion animation. They had puppetry. Well, yeah, we, they yeah had, I um. You know, laser beams, pew pew pew. Yeah, the the interesting thing about the the visual effects is that they wanted uh to 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 use go motion, which was the new thing that was kind of replacing stop motion. Oh, but interesting. But it was way too expensive. So, and the reason that I think that they ended up winning the Emmy for this uh was. Um, because they used a a new technique that was used in uh, 2001 uh, Space Odyssey. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's called mm-hmm. latent image matte painting. Latent image. What is it? Matte painting? Matte painting, yeah. So okay. in this technique, during live action photography, a section of the camera lens is blocked off and remains unexposed. The film is rewound. The blocked areas are reversed. And a painting crafted to occupy the space is photographed. 
Oh, yeah. oh, so I'm mean, basically that, all of the backdrops. Yeah, yeah, so, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. and it's so cool because it makes it just look so. At least in that regard, it makes it look so uniquely of that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, actually, there were some really epic matte paintings of the forest and then the kind of the desert vistas in this movie. Which yeah, I was gonna Lu- say Lucas there was one in particular I remember, like where um, little Mace is like sitting like outside the tent or whatever the the little hut and like you know he's like talking about his parents or something but the background whatever he was doing was questionable but it was a very gorgeous background when he was telling his ewok slaves what to what to do (laughs) if you if you mute it it was a really wonderful moment yeah Um, yeah 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 Um, uh, if, if, if viewed through the lens that george lucas actually came up with this story idea uh, to cater to his young daughter at the time, mm. uh, it makes a little more sense. the the the, ma- the main character Sindel, she's supposed to be George Lucas's daughter. That makes sense. Uh, so take that for what you will. I'll take it. Um, she must not also, care for her so- her 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 brother. <laughs> right. This entire film was shot within five miles of Skywalker Ranch in Marin County. Mm. Also makes a lot of sense. Uh, that it explains the use of local wildlife. Yeah, as, <laughs> we made as, that, we uh, made several comments during the viewing. Native indoor creatures. Oh wow, a llama! Is, Look at what, what a, a fearsome alpaca that and is, an, and an owl, and a and some uh, bunnies, a and chicken, some, and some goats, and and some horses. Yes. So, yeah, it's, uh, some Shetland ponies. The Ewoks <laughs> are skilled at breeding Shetland ponies. <laughs> oh man. Um, so great. Um, speaking of Lucas's no kids, uh, I don't know if either of you knew this, but uh, Bob Caro, who wrote the screenplay, mm-hmm. at the time was George Lucas's nanny for, oh. his, for his children. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. For huh. George Lucas. For George Lucas. George <laughs> for, Lucas had a George nanny. Lucas. Could yeah, you please he, change my underpants? He was uh, George Lucas's children's nanny. Hello, I'm George Lucas, and I seem to have pooped my pants again. Could you please change me? <laughs> um, also, also on this production staff, uh, a director who would go on to some acclaim, Joe Johnston, who, if you've been following our Marvel endeavors, Joe Johnston directed Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, my God. He was the production designer on this film. He also wow. directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Jurassic oh. Park 3. Um, he was busy. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting others, but he's a he's a special effects whiz. Guru, uh, as it were. So, that, so he was heavily involved. And uh, George Lucas kind of talked about this being an experiment of sorts for his ILM team because... If you'll remember, ILM was formed. He he developed the company right before he started shooting Star Wars because the technology was not yet available to achieve what he wanted to do. So right. he was going to build new technology through yeah, ILM. Always on the cutting edge. So at this time, 1984, this is after the, the year after all three Star Wars films had been released. Uh, many on his ILM staff hadn't worked in television before. And so he wanted to use this as an opportunity to get them experienced in television and the economics of television. And uh, if also viewed through that lens, an experimental film, that makes a little more sense as well. Yeah. 
Very yes. much so. Yes. Because I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sure there was all sorts of drama. Because, I mean, if, if his, you know, filmmaking was any indication, you know, them, like, basically running out of money and, like, running out of time and right. <laughs> having to, like, I'm sure that right. they had they ran into all sorts of problems with this. Oh, I'm sure. Te- and television executives are probably scarier than their film counterparts. No, yeah, for sure. They're like, nope, it in is what it is. We're putting we it out. We have to fill this slot on network television. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's it, it's done or it's it's not done just <laughs> finish it but yeah um, i as far as ilm goes uh, their 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 handiwork was pretty apparent there's some good looking creatures in there yeah um, it, it it was it was odd and i think i remarked about this several times it, there wasn't much attaching this world to star wars Right, other Beyond than the Ewoks yes. and the fact that the kids kind of looked like Luke and Leia a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, the, the Wish versions. Yeah. Definitely, like, costume-wise. Right. Like, Sindel was wearing a very, like, Leia and Hoth outfit. Yeah. And Mace was in Luke's, you know, orange pilot outfit. So, But, right. yeah, I, if if you're looking at this through the lens of a child, like, it's it's a very... A relatively easy thing to like, you know, the the the, the plot is very easy to swallow. Mm-hmm. Like you you understand when like the kids are in danger and when they're having a good time and when they're you know it's it's um, very 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 light. Uh, and it's definitely a kids movie. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no denying that at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there. I mean, you know, I I I have to get credit where it's due. To like you know other things, I mean like Pixar, they tend to do like things that are that are geared towards right. Kids, but that's but... but that's kids now. That's kids television and film now versus the eighties. Yes, was right. So very it, very different. Yeah, I was gonna say that like back then they were like we are only making this for the kids. We are not really nodding to the parents like at all. Um, I mean I don't know if that was their intention or if not, but it, it's that's sort of what it felt. It felt like. Like, you know, if parents are going to watch this, eh, they might enjoy it, but it's, like, not really geared towards them. It's really made just for the kids. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I think we all had some questions about continuity, even though <laughs> all of that is re- completely irrelevant. It's not important. When yeah, no, because kids It does not matter don't... when it takes place. Yeah, kids and... don't get onto the, you know, their, I mean, they didn't even have social media is back then. canon? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, one thing that I saw that I thought was kind of cute is, um, the, uh, kid who plays Mace, who I don't remember their name right now. Also, no relation to Mace Windu. That was just a a twinkle (laughs) in George Lucas's eye at that point. Yeah. Um, and Wicket, um, they were- Warwick Davis. Uh, yes. Warwick Davis. Um, they were- Obviously, kids on set. Warwick was, I think, 14 when they shot this. Yeah, right. And um, so Lucas thought it would be cute to give them a camera and kind of record, you know, behind the scenes stuff of what it was like to, like, work with a set tutor. And Oh, 
So there's like I've a little there's video. a little documentary, and I think I think that they released it in 2014 on YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cute. I just, I didn't watch much of it, but you know they called it like W and W Productions or something, <laughs> and it just it honestly reminded me very much so of like the early early days of like vlogging and totally um, YouTube, but with a giant and, camera, but with a huge camera, and yeah. Uh, two kids working on on a Star Wars project. So, so I'm trying that, to think in 1984 if they were still doing. I think it was still the um, eight millimeter, you know, um, or maybe it was the, the Super Eight. I mean, uh, I don't think that they had the big giant VHS like bazooka cameras yet, right? I feel like that didn't come until um, like 1987. Yeah, yeah, we were close, but. Uh, yeah, that's super interesting. But as far as the continuity goes, so there was no. <laughs> the shorter answer is nobody knows. But uh, <laughs> a producer, one of the producers on the film, Thomas Smith, uh, claims that the crew were operating under the belief that this movie was set 150 years after Return of the Jedi. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Who knew? Okay, so it, who knew? Nobody. <laughs> um, right. So uh, it's a, it and it's truly a, it's is irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah. But there yeah. was pushback on that. There was pushback, you see. Huh. Uh, because Wicket still looks very young. Right. And he should be dead, probably. Well, we don't understand, how, we don't understand how Ewoks age. True. True. You know. Yeah, I suppose they could be like Wookiees, but yeah. uh, very old. But uh, so there you go. Do with that information. I will do nothing with that information. <laughs> what you will um do you have a favorite moment from caravan of courage oh my god yeah several all right um i love it when the little girl is like dying and she's (laughs) you love that part (laughs) it's funny i don't know i'm sorry i i'm very dark but like her it's just like her her acting was just so great and she was very sickly yeah it just you know it it, her (laughs) i don't know the first part that came to mind um Oh, gosh, what else? There's so many good things. Oh, the parents at the beginning just giving you every ounce, like 4,000% commitment to finding their children for 20 seconds and then giving up. (laughs) And turns out the kids were just hiding in the ship. (laughs) They look at it with their flashlights and they shout to them. And they're like, oh, I guess they're not there. Oh, well, bye. Oh, it's just fantastic. And how do we how do we say this uh, this actress's name? Is it uh, <clears throat> Fianula Flanagan? I don't know for so, certain, um, but I, I, that sounds kind of nice. The the Irish actress yeah, who plays Fianula. their mother. Uh huh. Flanagan. But yeah, um, Alyssa was like, I, I recognize re- that. Yeah, face. I recognized her, and she has worked a ton, especially you know in her like older older woman years. Yep. Um, she was in. The others with Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Yaya, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, lo- lots of other stuff. But she's uh, she's worked a ton. So. She is that chick though, because I I I don't think I I told you this that night, but when I watched the others, mm-hmm. like because I, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I watched it again, and I was just like, 
I know I've seen her face in so many other things. I did the exact same thing. I looked her up on IMDb. So she's she's just that chick. She's just like, she's God, just what been, a familiar face. She's been working she's been, a lot. She's been her, in everything. Yeah, she's had a good career. Yeah, she was also in Lost. Yeah, oh, right, exactly. Yes. I didn't remember that. Yeah, she plays a pretty pivotal pivotal role like, towards the end of the series. Lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think <laughs> when I was a kid, I'm not going to speak for myself now. I'm just going to go from, like, childhood. I just... I just really liked the Ewoks. I thought they were yeah. I thought they were cute, especially so the cute. like little ones. I loved how like floppy and flouncy and bouncy they were. Um, just little teddy bears. Yeah, and they're still cute. Right. They're still cute now, you know. Like I, but we're so kind of spoiled and uh, lucky with how how incredible. Uh, not not even just like you know. CGI and special effects are, but like mm-hmm. the incredible world of of costuming and hair and makeup. Yeah, uh, and I I definitely like if the if the Ewoks were in a film now, they would look very different. Probably, but um, as a kid, I loved them. I thought they were, you know, awesome, so cute, yeah. well, so and, cute and funny and, we were, and cuddly. We were talking about the the fact that there. Are, it was rather disturbing. Their eyes weren't animated. Yeah. And only sometimes and, their mouths would move. And uh, in the first special edition of Return of the Jedi was actually when they were able to go in and animate their eyelids. Mm. Oh, bitch. So that's why, and I think we are so conditioned to everything, all of the cuts of Return of the Jedi that came after all the special editions. Yeah. That I think that's why it was that jarring why, that's for why us. It looked sure. Because the last time I saw blinking, the original but... version was probably in the 80s. Right. Yeah. And which, you know, I was way too young to really even, like, comprehend anything I had like it that. on VHS, so I'm sure I, like, before, the, before like, the, the, the theat- new theatrical cuts in 1997, I, I don't remember. I always remember Ewoks having very lively eyes. And you know, it's all these about These were a little too. jarring. It's it, it's it's lighting is important and the angles you know and and also how how long you're keeping them on camera you know um, yeah because there were there was a fair amount of close ups in this like right. like like really close up on their face and like looking you could almost like you could see the the tongue inside the mouth like moving the the teeth around you're like that shouldn't happen <laughs> you like you know right and just from like a, a puppeteering standpoint uh, knowing mm-hmm. like angles of face like I yeah. Like, I was thinking about it in relation to um the face uh the uh you know fluffy characters at disney who Mm -hmm. up until a decade ago didn't have animated eyes right um Mm -hmm. and i actually prefer the non-animated eyes in the characters at disney because the way that they're taught especially like stage um performers they are taught and it's so brilliant exactly the angle of their their heads and their faces and their bodies to be so it looks super engaged. Yeah, like know? they're looking right at you. They're lo- they're looking at the person they're on on stage with, or they're looking at you, or a camera, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So um, it was interesting that I that is an art for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a definite skill set. Um, Dino, did you have a did you have a a favorite moment in the movie? <laughs> 
I did. I did like uh, the the music. Yeah. It wasn't John Williams, but I felt like um, it fit. I felt like it was still Star Wars adjacent. Yep. Um, Peter Ber- uh, Bernstein did the music. Because uh, I think you it got was still the like a full orchestra, kind of right? Sprinkled in there. Sorry, what? It was still like a full orchestra, right? Or at least it felt like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it. It probably was plus plus synth instruments as well, but it felt yeah. it felt very full. It felt, yeah, it felt full. Um, and I do. Even if it didn't land all the way, I do kind of like that they went with a, a more mystical, m- mystical, whimsical. It was kind of Tolkien esque. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's and probably it probably reminded me a lot more of. A 1980s adaptation of Lord of the Rings mm. than Star Wars, yeah. honestly. And uh, you know, um, you're you're they they probably got a lot of inspiration from that because I think I even said that when we were watching it, I was like, oh, this turned into like a D and D campaign all of a sudden. <laughs> right, right. It's it felt very much like that. The Gorax reminded me out of you know could have been something out of a Tolkien. Oh yeah, story. like one of the giants and, or something. You right. Know? Yeah. Um. And I and, and for kind of an experimental film, I, I I said it before, but I do like that ILM was kind of given free reign to to do what they had been doing, and it it was pretty consistently good as far as creature designs and uh, set pieces, and and especially working on that budget and knowing they were quite literally filming near Skywalker Ranch, so this <laughs> wasn't a a big. Pinewood Studios or or uh, Leavesden or any of these large production studios they that they they made do and um <laughs> I'm I'm treading water however <laughs> <laughs> because uh we did spend a lot of time lamenting how young Mace was uh grating is that is that a is that a he good was word? very angry grating he was a very angry boy. Yeah. He was, like, angry for 90% of the film. Um, yeah, and it was confusing. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, why are you so angry at everyone? Well, and I think, the, I think the confusion sets in because we start the movie without the kids having any interaction with their parents. So right. already we're starting from a standpoint of no emotional connection whatsoever. Right, right. Like, little Sindel is hiding in a cabinet and... Yeah, because her parents you know, are gone, and I was like, well, they okay, they so. they got half of the equation. Because like, yes, it is like you know the right thing to separate kids from their parents because for a kid, that's that's like the ultimate. That's the like, fear. The fear yeah. in your childhood because you you don't really have any other experience other than really being with your you know your parents are your everything they give right. you your food your your whatever and like you're like oh my god what if I didn't have any well anymore? and vice versa. Uh, a parent losing a child is one of the worst things. Absolutely. Imaginable. So yeah. you you get you get uh, a shot of the parents looking for them barely. <laughs> just right off the bat yeah. and it's just brilliantly acted. It's so good. Um, it's so good. It's so brilliant. And but yeah, but so but the, but the, the reason why it's only half the equation is that you don't really ever get to see their relationship together first so you know that like how you know um 
like, oh, wow, they they really love each other. And oh, what a bummer now that they're separated. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if they had more money, it's possible that like that the shipwreck scene could have started the film. Sure. Yeah. And maybe they maybe that was maybe that ended up but not necessarily on the cutting room floor. But I mean, like they weren't able to fund it. Yeah. They're like, what if they just started on the planet and it was already crashed? Yeah, I believe that. Totally. Could be. I don't know. I yeah, totally but, believe that. But sweet, sweet teenage Mace. Uh, oh my goodness. He did. He did. Uh, and this is, you know, it was it was a made for TV movie. So like, we do cut it some slack, and we know about the money and all of the stuff. So this is just us kind of chatting about it. But well, yeah, and he's he's like, bless his heart. Like they put this kid like. In a situation where he has to act with things that don't speak English. So he's basically kind of, uh, he he's is just acting our, with himself. Yeah, he's acting with himself kind of. Like he's sort of like the liaison <laughs> between understanding what they're saying. And, you know, and, and so he, he's kind of having to carry the weight of the show a lot of the time, um, which right. is like a big responsibility for somebody of that age. Um, and, uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so I feel like the first, I feel like the first 20 minutes of the movie was just him over and over again asking, what do you mean? I don't know, (laughs) I don't know what you're saying. Right. Over and over again, just like, okay, we get it. He doesn't understand the Ewoks. They speak a different language. But by the end of the movie... But by the end of the movie, the Ewoks understand Galactic Basic. They do. Even speak in it. They sure do. That's canon now. It's like that would have come in handy during the the Battle of Endor. (laughs) It sure would. Turn of the Jedi. We could actually talk to one another. Oh, yeah. Also, the fact that they have like some like instant death dart. Oh yeah, that, oh, yeah. that, one that completely creature. disables the, the, the beast. This giant beast. I'm like, um, where was that in and the battle? It was of kind Endor? of an exploding dart because it the was, beast and, had smoke coming out of its and mouth. Now yeah. And now that you're saying that part, why didn't they use that dart on the Gorax at the end? Right. Well, maybe they only, they have, only have one. one. Yeah, the, they they blew their load too soon. It's like the the Ewok nuclear bomb. <laughs> it's the Ewok. We only nuke. get one of these, and we chose to use it. I mean, now. that would have again that would have come in handy against the ATST and sure in Return of the Jedi. But they took that down with some logs, so that was mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, the, the the actor who played Mace Eric Walker has gone on to become an electronic musician. Oh, cool. that's cool. And he also works behind the scenes on in the entertainment industry. Oh, now, so, when you say electronic musician, is that like it's, it's, it's like that kind of person? Uh, probably. Gotcha. I can't say I've like heard a his stuff. Wiki, yet, wiki, but, wiki. But that's that's kind of a should cool. Should I look uh, up something that he made right now? Yep, you absolutely. Yeah, what well, says? Um, it says in his first album, there's a song called "Return to Endor." Oh my god, amazing! So, is he does he does he use the same name for like you know? Spotify and stuff like that, I wonder. What's his name? Eric? Eric Walker. Eric Walker. Okay, let's look it up. Um, yeah, so there, there was a lot of pressure on him, and yeah. he kind of, um, I recently watched this, this video of uh, Reese Witherspoon talking about how she told her kids that in almost every single movie, at some point, and she was like, and now that I tell you this... You know, 
you'll hear the line in almost every single movie. It's a female you know, character saying to a man, well, what should we do next? Oh, uh-huh. Yep. And, it, and, and that was him. That was him the entire movie. Right. Um, it was weird because I was, I think I even said this too. I was like, I don't understand who the protagonist or antagonist is. Cause like he's, I think he's supposed to be the protagonist, but he's acting like an antagonist. And I was like, right. I don't know yeah. what to believe anymore. I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I found some was... music from Eric Walker. Oh. Return oh to Endor. Oh my God. So th- we, we don't have the I'm rights just, to we this. We don't have the but... rights to this, but I'm just going to play a, a very I'm short pulling up clip. on YouTube. So there might be an ad. No, it's just going right into it. Oh, great. Amazing. <sighs> Sounds like never ending story. Oh. I can only hear parts of it. Well, it's just been note after note right now. <laughs> oh, there's the beat. Drop that beat, bitch. Yes. It does. Actually, it does have, a, like, a nostalgic 80s feel. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, he has, that's the he feel has a of few it. albums. Good for him. Yes. Good job. Love it. Good for you, Eric Walker. Um, interesting to note that the character of Sindel actually made appearances in later Expanded Universe stories. No. And that she ended up growing up to be a reporter on Coruscant. <gasps> after, I love uh, that. A news reporter on Coruscant after uh, after Return of the Jedi. Cool. Wow. In, in what? In in books? In Yes, in the Expanded Universe. Okay. Nothing, nothing that's canon anymore, though, right? But no, it's all that's all legends now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, speaking of characters from this film, though, that have been... Uh, you know, canonized. Uh, mm-hmm. The Gorax was reintroduced in um, Traps and Tribulations. It's a, an episode of the animated web series Star Wars Forces of Destiny. That's right. Oh, That's shoot. Right. So uh, Leia and Luke aid the Ewoks uh, against the, the Beast. So there you have it. There it is. The Gorax. Dino is now, he's decided to quit the podcast he's walked away he's he's back he's back was masha being an asshole was ha- what happened no no um so i was telling you guys about uh meeting a, a real life ewok oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah 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 and in 2017 i went to star wars celebration in orlando and funny story when i was in la waiting to board the plane oh yes yes well first i saw ryan johnson so cool Oh, hi, Ryan. Hi. Nobody else recognized him, and I missed my opportunity to go say hi to him. Ah. This is before Last Jedi came out. They were debuting the trailer that weekend, Mm. Uh, but he obviously went and sat in first class, but I was sitting there on the ground just like mouth agape. I was like, that's that's Ryan Johnson. Um, You had a very famous airplane. And then the guy sitting next to me, like we were, I was sitting on the floor because it was a packed flight and uh, sitting on the floor next to the gate. And this guy comes and sits next to me and we start chatting and tells me his name's Kevin Thompson and that he played uh, a couple of Ewoks in Return of the Jedi and then the the Ewok movies, the subsequent Ewok movies. He played uh, Chubre in Return of the Jedi, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and then I, I'm forgetting the the name of the the other Ewok. 
uh, oh, Chuka Truck. Mm-hmm. He played Chuka Truck in Caravan of Courage. He's <laughs> one of the larger Ewoks. And he talked about his experiences auditioning for it and how he was originally an extra, but then he got to do all these cool stunts and they were so impressed with him and, and that he kind of became a mainstay of their uh, of their uh, smaller person brigade. And uh, he was so nice to me because I, I saw him on the flight back I didn't see him while we were at Celebration, but I saw him on the flight back to Los Angeles. And uh, every year he goes to these conventions and he carves out these little wood Ewok arrowheads and sells them. But he gave me one. Oh, my God. There it is. That he carved out. I'm showing Alyssa and Daniel. Yeah. uh, Take a picture and put that on our pod page. Yeah. Because that's really. And on the back he wrote Dino's Ewok Rock. Oh, that's cute. That actually, guys, uh, that was, that. now that we're talking about the arrowheads, yeah. I thought that that was really cool. So there's a there's a moment in the film where uh, oh, yeah. where Mace, Mace is gifted, they're all gifted these, it's very D&D-esque, but they're yes. all gifted these totems. individual totems to kind of help them on their journey, and Mace gets handed a rock. He's like, ugh, this rock is stupid. he's really pissed about it, and he throws it on the floor, and, you know, obviously we're like, There's, that's going to be of importance later. And he's Come just on, a Mace. little sick. And, um, <laughs> Stop being a douche. Anyways, Wicket picks it up after he chucks it on the ground because he's sweet and smart. And ends up giving it to him later. And they realize that there's something inside the rock. They crack it open and it's an arrowhead. Um, and he places it on the ground and it kind of like rotates where it needs to go and then and then zooms off and they they follow it. They know that's the that's the direction they should be going. Yeah, it's so like a little a I little thought compass. that that was I thought that that was That was very that cool. Was, that but was cool. Imaginative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz sure. I mean like I I don't think I've ever seen something like that in a film before like that that definitely to me I think was the most imaginative part of Yeah, you've the... seen like, you know, like invisible like footprints go away or sure. like, you know, stuff like that, but the arrowhead I thought was that I thought that was That cool. was a special moment. Yeah, totally. Um interesting note about what the the Gorax. Uh, so this guy John Berg, he worked for uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh he worked on special effects for for Star Wars. Uh he was a stop motion animator. Uh, he he did the same kind of stuff for this film, and he also portrayed the Gorax. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! So he was the guy in costume for it That's when they awesome. weren't using I love stop that. motion. So it was a real man in that suit. That's amazing. Um, so if you've learned anything from this podcast, it's don't be a dick to people on planes because you just don't know who they are. No, no. But if if we uh. I'm sure Kevin will be at Star Wars Celebration 2022 in Anaheim. He lives here in Los Angeles. Uh, so you could you so could need, procure we... yourself uh, an arrowhead made by a real Ewok as well. Oh right. Right. So go check him out. And uh, hopefully we get to run into him as well. Yes, when there. that'd be so fun. That would be very cool. Well, we're going to have our own booth, obviously. That's <laughs> that's right. I had no idea what we're selling. but <laughs> Just our bodies. We're se- yeah, we're selling Daniel. <laughs> it's a one-time transaction. You can't have me. I'm too expensive. <laughs> we're actually giving Daniel away. Yeah, he's free. <laughs> he's free. Giveaway. And anybody that wants to come take him can. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, um, is there anything else that you feel the spirit telling you to, to tell the world about the Well, the I will say we don't tend to plug a bunch of other podcasts on here just because... We 
I don't really even think to do it, but uh, Blast Points podcast, which is one of the longer running Star Wars podcasts, and they do some really terrific and really abstract deep dives mm. in, into Star Wars properties. And they, they had a, a whole month covering the Ewok. A month. Uh, a month of episodes covering kind of the Ewok adventures. And, and so give them a listen. Incredible. I haven't I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but they've got some, some really great insight. And, I uh, love that. It's cool to embrace all corners of Star Wars as odd and disconnected as some of them may feel. Yeah, because you find sure. little that, you get you find little nuggets of joy in in all of it. Right, you really do. Right. Um, so I, I guess we'll be watching uh, the battle for Endor. Yeah, when, when everybody dies, apparently. Spoiler in, in alert. the first few yeah, minutes. Sindel, yeah, Sindel becomes an orphan, like in the first like ten minutes of the movie. So, yes. ah, well, that was it. That was Caravan of Courage. We yeah. we watched it. We thought about. Would you it. recommend? Would I recommend? Yeah. If you've got little kids, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If you've got little kids, and if you're if you're just curious, yeah, curiosity alone, is it's probably worth a watch. Yeah. Just, why not? It's yeah. a little a little piece of a bygone age. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, if you like liked Never Ending Story as a as a kid, it's it's very like reminiscent of those you know kind of like eighties sci-fi fantasy creatures yeah. and that was actually never-ending story it was what really got me completely invested in sci-fi fantasy as a kid oh sure was, probably same it was my everything yep. and my parents were super confused because they were like yeah <laughs> it's good but I, right, I, was just in, I was in love with it but oh, it's um, just the best yeah so absolutely if you have kids or if you're just you know interested in Checking it out, <laughs> and you have Disney Plus. Why? Yeah, why not? not? Why not? It's an hour and a half. You can turn it off if you don't like it. That's True. the beauty of the world. You could do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyhow, this is uh inside the Tauntaun. Thanks for listening. I'm Alyssa Simmons, and I'm Daniel Dawson, and I'm Dino Nicandros. May the force be with you always. See ya.